we don't talk to our lists often enough because we think that we are annoying them and that they will unsubscribe. They're just not seeing value in what it is that you're sending. So in order to re-engage a cold list, there's a couple of different strategies. that, And the first of those um, is what we call the nine-word email. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, joined by, as always, Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? I'm doing fantastic, Sam. How are you? I'm doing super well, super, super well. We've decided to do a Q&A episode. So we're going yes. to give some A's to people's Q's. Yeah, and this is obviously a good reason to be in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook where you can throw your questions out. We will actually get to them on a podcast or in comments. Um, so if you haven't yet done so, jump on over to Thought Leaders Business Lab community uh, on Facebook. Just type that in and you'll find us and join us and uh, look forward to answering your questions uh, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Why don't we start off with one of your questions first, Tim? Yeah, sure. Actually, this one was a, a really interesting. This is a client I was speaking to this morning. Now, Jane from Regency Bathrooms, a bit of a shout out to Jane up there in Darwin, who was complaining about how cold it was <laughs> this morning. Oh, at, that's so funny. <laughs> it's all relative degrees. though, isn't it? I know, right? Yeah, the breeze up there and I'm sitting here and then like three jumpers. Um, Jane is, um, you know, the unintended benefit beneficiary of a lot of the government grant money that's floating around right now and people kind of... Um, investing in new bathrooms and she as a result has now worked 42 days straight oh my goodness Jane no No, we can't keep those kinds of things up that's burnout central happening that is that is burnout central I think a lot of us do that at times you know we we do these really long hours and, and, and and don't take breaks when you know when we have Lots of opportunity, right? And we've all heard the saying, "Make hay, make hay when the while the sun shines." Mm-hmm. But this is this is a point where you know Jane's potentially going to get to burnout, and she's starting to find that she's dropping dropping opportunity. She's not following up on stuff, um, and just not thinking very clearly. Right? Mm. Now, Jane, mm. one of the things we, we we spoke to Jane about was was definitely taking a day off. But I'd love to get your take on this. this yeah, and look. Absolutely. And look, as I just said, I'm pulling some pretty crazy hours. But in saying that, I closed my laptop on Friday afternoon and I did not reopen it till Monday. It is absolutely imperative that we take time out from our business from a health standpoint, from a focus standpoint, and from a creativity standpoint. We are the leaders of the ship or we drive the bus or however you want to say it. We are the leaders and we're taking our business and we're at the helm of taking that to where it needs to go. And if we're burnt out and exhausted, you know, I've certainly felt like that before where I've got 50 plates in the air and I'm just waiting for, for you know, the first one to drop and then the eight to hit the other 37 on the way down. I know, down. they'll all fall and as soon as one goes, they'll oh, all go. And it's just an awful feeling because you're doing business every single hour of every day, like you're walking on eggshells, 
it's yeah. you just cannot keep it up. Yeah, I think I think you get to that point where you just become reactive to whatever that comes in next, and you're not being, mm-hmm. you're no longer driving your business. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're kind of just reacting and responding to whatever comes up. So certainly, the advice I gave Jane, if you find yourself in a very similar position, I do recommend that you take at least a day off a week. I think the thing we we forget, Sam, is that the remaining six days, and even if it is six days, that we will probably get the same amount of work done in six days as we do in seven. Absolutely. I can give a tip of what I've been doing, and I implemented this at the start of the year, because I'm a big list maker. So Mm. I can write a list and it have 50 items on it. And that can be really overwhelming. And I'm sure there's people listening that are like, yeah, I get that. I have lists that are like that. And that that list never ends. And what I started implementing at the start of the year is looking at my list at the end of the night and saying, okay, for everything that's not ticked off and including the new things that need to be done tomorrow, what are the top three things I need to do? What are the, those three things that are going to move the needle the most? And they sit at the top of my list. And if they're the only three things I get done that day, then they're the only three things I get done that day. And what I found is over time, a lot of the things that were sitting on my list weren't as important as what I thought they were. And when they weren't done for seven days, it's like, well, actually, that was just a bit of shuffling papers going on there. I actually don't need to attend to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting that we, we did speak to, to Jane about uh, getting a VA in her business as well because all those other tasks are mm-hmm. fantastic opportunities to go. These need to be done, but they're not my priority. Yeah. They're not where I add the most value into my business and get them off your plate. And it does mean, you know, it does mean it does free you up to have that day off or those two days off every week that we actually really need to, to refocus and, and revitalize yourself and actually attack everything, as you said, you know, with more creativity, with more energy and more focus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jane, take a, take a week off, take a week off, <laughs> get a massage, have some champagne, have a really long sleep in, use that time to get your creativity back and then hire a VA when you get back to work. That's right. Can we actually do massages right now? In fact, you can hire a VA to hire another VA for you. <laughs> Hire a VA to book your massages. <laughs> and make sure your fridge is topped with champagne. All right, that's a fantastic, fantastic advice. So, Jane, hopefully we'll see you take that and come back uh, refreshed and Absolutely. more energised in business. Um, Ali's asked two questions. All right, Ali's from Made from Made for More, um, which I love the name of your business, Ali. Ali's asked two questions, and the first of those was, um, where should I start with creating systems and processes. Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, and obviously, we all know the importance of systems and processes, but often when it's just us, we don't get to them at all, do we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I could not stress the importance of getting to them more. They're, they're just so, so important. What's What's your process for breaking down how you start? Okay, firstly, where, where to identify where to start if you haven't got anything. And what's your process for unpacking those systems and processes? Sure. Where I start is the biggest opportunity to be able to hand something off. So if there's something I absolutely hate doing or something that I know someone else can do more than me, uh, that's where I start. So I start with the big rocks first and then work down. So, um, you know, if I'm onboarding a new virtual assistant, it's like what is the biggest thing that I can take off my plate 
that is in their zone of genius. And that's where I start with the big rocks. What I'm trying to do is unpack every single process out of my head in a way that if I gave that process to anyone, that they could do it. And I was very lucky, I think I've mentioned before on this show, is that my first job was in a McDonald's store. So I actually grew up, I guess, grew up in business thinking that this is the way that everyone did business. So super lucky because I just understood, okay, well, we do that one and then we do number two and then we do number three and we all do it exactly the same. Um, So I was very lucky to have that start in my business life and that's how I create all of my systems and processes now. But interestingly, I've just said that's the way I create them, but I don't create the systems and processes in our business I actually get my team to create the processes. So if I'm onboarding them for a new task, I will do it with them. Then they will do it while I'm watching. And then the third thing they do is they do that task on their own. So the first time they do it, uh, I do it and they watch. The second time they do it and I watch. The third time they do it on their own and write the process because there is nothing like writing the process to make sure that they've understood that task in its entirety. Yeah, I love that, Sam. Actually, I often take that one step further and I'll get someone else to then follow the process they've written down. Mm, super uh, good, to see, yep. To see whether it's just Chinese whispers or not. And we really know we've got a fantastic process when we can get another person to pick up that process and, and do it as well. Tim, I remember when we were doing KBLF um, in the first round, you posted a video about a dad having to follow a process of making a peanut butter oh, sandwich. Yeah. Can yeah. you can you just quickly talk about that? Because I think, and let's link that video up in the show notes because I think it's it's a great way to realise how clear your systems need to be. It is, I don't know where I came across this, but it's called the, the, the PB and J challenge, right? the peanut butter and jelly challenge. And I don't know where this guy came up with this idea, but it's brilliant. It's a guy who, who has his two kids, right? his son and his daughter, who get him to write down the instructions for creating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, of course, they say get the peanut butter, get the bread, you know, spread the peanut butter on the thing, right? Now we go, okay, that obviously means put the, you know, take the lid off the peanut butter jar, get a knife, put it into the peanut butter jar, take the peanut butter jar out of the knife, put the peanut butter and spread it liberally on one flat side of the peanut, of the the bread, you know, repeat the same process with, with jelly or jam, you know, and then put another piece of bread on top of that, right? So that's the, that's the, right? But because we don't think like that, we have lots of assumed knowledge when we're creating our systems and processes, um, we often skip steps. Mm. So I, I follow a very similar process to you when I do my systems and processes. One of the things I do is I put all of the tasks in my business into four buckets, my genius zone, my expert zone, my competent zone, and my incompetent zone. Mm-hmm. Right? And anything in those bottom two zones, the incompetent and competent, are definitely tasks for, to get rid of them to someone Absolutely. else. Absolutely. We do not want to be in those zones. No, it's, it's just not cost-effective or time-effective for us. The second thing I do, and I thought this, this can be really effective, is actually sort of get interviewed about your process by someone who doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. And they say, what is, and the two questions I ask is, what is the next step? And then, no, so it's, and then what? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then asking and how does that happen, right? So get down into the detail because often we skip over that, we gloss over the detail, right? So the PB&J challenge, which you'll see that in the show notes, is a really good example of that, right? We, we go, we just get bread and you put peanut butter and jelly on it. Fantastic. Then you've got a PB&J sandwich. 
But if we haven't broken down, okay, how does the peanut butter get from the jar onto the bread? And it, 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 anyway, what's the challenge? I was going to say, let's not give away what happens, but it's it hilarious. is a fantastic <laughs> video. And actually, just even talking about this, it's reminded me, I'm actually going to show it to all my team because it is such a good video. Such a good video. But the yeah. second part of Ali's question, and I think that this one I would um, is going to be a question in a lot of people's minds right now. Planning for 2021, how do I do it? Is there going to be a second wave? Clearly, Ali's in Adelaide because anyone else that's listening on the East Coast already is in the second wave. Um, and there are plenty of parts of the world that haven't even come out of the first wave. Yeah. And look, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate, but I would agree that, yes, there will be a second wave and possibly even a third wave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think anyone who's been out over the last couple of last four weeks will have come home and going, what happened to social distancing? Absolutely. I've actually just in the last few days have just been like, I do not want to go out there again. It is yeah. it is starting to ramp up a little bit, making me a little bit antsy, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, we're probably going to see a second wave um, unless people continue to, you know, I guess do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but, Gally, in terms of planning for 2021, I think this is something that we just need to be aware of in the future of our business. We need to have a little bit more, I guess, robustness mm-hmm. around our marketing and, and, and service offerings right? and really understand who our customer is and, and you know, how we help them regardless of whether there's these other sorts of issues that go on. So it may not be necessarily a second wave of COVID, but some point in the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever, in your business, you will be faced with some form of challenge that's incredibly disruptive like we've experienced with COVID. Absolutely. So definitely, no matter what's going on, always, always plan in your business. But just understand that those plans need to change. They need to be fluid. They need to, you know, we are we need to be able to move the goalposts for things that are out of our control. Um, but just understand that we still need to plan. It's just that sometimes those plans change. Yep, absolutely. So put it in, right? Put in some put in some um, some continuity planning in your business, right? Expect things like this to happen. And then when they do, you go, yep, I knew this was going to happen. I'm good for that. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I know what I'm going to do. Actually, I've got a perfect example of this. Um, back in Mar- at the end of March, uh, you were going to be coming to Sydney and hanging out with us at the Business Lab Live event. And five days prior to us all getting together in a, in a room, um, it became it, it apparent was. that we weren't going to be able to travel or be in a room together. So I did have to pull together a virtual event. We were still able to have that event. It was still in the planning. This, we still understood why we were doing that event, the outcomes that we wanted for our clients, but we just had to change the goalposts a bit. So, uh, yeah, just just be a little open to exploring and innovating new ways to do things. Absolutely. I think in many ways that event actually was almost better. Do you know the actually all I get? All of my clients got back to me and said that they actually enjoyed that event so much and that they would like to see the events like that moving forward. I Mm. actually think it's because there was a lot of emotion in that event too because of what we were all going through at the same time. And I think that um, 
that that sort of played a difference. We were all going through this extremely unknown phase right at the beginning when no one knew what was happening and we were able to brainstorm and innovate and, you know, hold each other up and, and brainstorm. So it was a fantastic event. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully that's answered your question, Ali, on, on planning. Um, yeah. Now, Maria from the Property Investment Store uh, has asked, what is a Facebook lead ad? Love it. Okay. Now, this is a good one, Maria. Um, it's just one of many different options you've got to choose from um, from your advertising selection on Facebook. Um, so many of us are just used to pay per impression. Right? That's You pay for every time someone views your thing. And that's... That's typically what many of us grew up with. Right? So, you know, you paid an X amount of dollars and you got your ad in the paper or on the TV and if people saw it, that was great. If they didn't see it, too bad. Um, you just paid the fixed amounts. Now, digital marketing in many ways has allowed us to get a lot more, I guess, mature and clever around how people pay for their advertising. And Facebook lead ads are one of those examples. And it's effectively what we call a... A pay per, a pay per lead as a pay as a sort of pay per click mm. sort of thing, and the Facebook lead ad is is quite an interesting one in that it actually captures the information that someone has already put into Facebook about themselves, and then passes all of that data directly to you, which means that your customer or your prospect doesn't have to fill out their name and email and phone number. It's already captured by Facebook, and then it gets passed through to wherever you want to pass it through to. So you may, have, you may have yourself clicked on an ad before, had a form come up that's been pre-populated with your name, your email address, your phone number. Uh, that is a lead ad. Yep. Okay. Now, you do tend to pay a little bit more for them, but they're a, they're a pretty good um, way of uh, doing your, your Facebook advertising if you're going to do it. Absolutely. The thing, actually, I'm going to give a, um, a tip for lead ads, and I think this is something that a lot of people don't do. If you are running lead ads, try and get on the phone to that person within 60 minutes and just say, hey, I've noticed that you've just put this through, just letting you know, you know, do you have any questions? Someone will be in touch. And the reason is, is because if people are scrolling and they click on your lead ad, uh, they won't remember a week, a month down the track that they've done that. And they are going to be less receptive if you're on the phone to them. So if you're running lead ads, I would... I would recommend within 60 minutes getting on the phone and just confirming with that person, we've got your details, this is what you've put your information in for and confirming all those details so that it's it's top of mind with that person. Otherwise, um, a lot of people don't get to their lead ads, they don't ring their, their client or their leads back, their prospects back and they lose those, those leads very quickly. Yeah, obviously, um, I mean, you've paid for them. Um, mm-hmm. So do get back to them. And if you don't respond at all, well, you know, it's, not a, it's not a very good lead. No, exactly. Uh, but it, look, I would even go quicker than that if you can, Sam, rather than 60 minutes. I, I have seen in the past where, you know, responses to that and people have no idea what they've even clicked on 30 minutes, 30 minutes later. Oh, 100%. Um, certainly even same day, you know, because we click on so many things in a course of scrolling through Facebook that if you're waiting till 5 p.m. to respond, um, you're not going to get, they're going to go, I don't remember who you are or what I clicked on or anything. Absolutely. Um, this is a really good case for automation as well. Right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's an email or an SMS to say, hey, thanks very much, got your information, we'll be in touch soon, 
set that expectations about what sort of time frame you're going to actually get on the phone. If you can get on the phone straight away, absolutely. Oh, if you can do, do it in the first, if you can do it within two minutes, you will you will get so much better results from this. So much better. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Now, Michelle, uh, who we couldn't find your business name, Michelle, but thank you for passing your question through. And that was, how do I re-engage a cold list? Mm. So if you've got an email list that you haven't messaged for a while, listen up. <laughs> yeah. And what, okay, let's, let's ask this obvious question, Sam. What do you mean by a while? Oh, good question, Tim. I think it it really depends on your list, but oh gosh, you know, in my head when I was saying that, I was thinking for, you know, months or years, but I would say if someone's opted into your list and you haven't messaged them for even a week or two weeks, that as far as I'm concerned is a cold list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we we, we often, and it's not just small businesses, I did some work with the Michael Gerber group of companies <laughs> Um, last year or year before, and they were having the same issues in, in terms of list re-engagement. Now, this is Mr. Systems, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy who wrote the myth about systemization in his business, and they were having the same issue around how to re-engage this cold list. Mm-hmm. We don't talk to our lists often enough because we think that we are annoying them and that they will unsubscribe. Sometimes they will. Sometimes Absolutely. they will unsubscribe. And you know what I say? They weren't my people anyway. That's right. Okay. They're just not seeing value in what it is that you're sending. So in order to re-engage a cold list, there's a couple of different strategies that, Sam, I know you do as well as I do. Mm-hmm. And the first of those um, is what we call the nine-word email. I absolutely love the nine-word email. So it's, so, it's so effective in a whole bunch of different ways. Absolutely. Um, now, the nine-word email was um, put together by a guy named Dean Jackson in the US. Dean is a fantastic marketer, come up with all sorts of different ideas. But the nine-word email effectively just reaches out to your list of people and says, hey, are you still interested in, insert your topic. Insert greatest frustration of your prospect here. Yeah. Okay. So if you're, are you still interested in solving XYZ problem or are you still interested in learning about this thing? Uh, and you'll find people sort of either respond to that or you know, sort of start to engage with that. Mm. Now, your cold list is effectively where you've got opens and clicks and, and engagements. So definitely put one of those out today if you get a chance to. Absolutely. I wouldn't send more than four of these a year. Probably once a quarter is when I would send a nine-word email. But um, just a couple of notes here when sending one of these. Don't put your normal sort of marketing colored buttons, your normal email signature or anything like that. You want it to be plain text and just literally just, hi, Tim, are you looking for more clients? Question mark. Sam, it is that simple. You want people to actually type back, oh, yeah, actually, yes. And if it's got the colored buttons and pretty pictures and all of the other things, it doesn't look like a personal email. It, it looks a bit markety and it does, it's not as effective. So use that yeah. plain white, plain text email. To be honest, I, I think most of my emails, I will encourage clients to make it look like I've just written it out of my Gmail account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It won't have colours. It'll occasionally have buttons, but I won't put a logo at the top or, or anything. My signature block out of my 
uh, autoresponder looks exactly the same as my signature block in my my Gmail account. Um, you know, I, I find for me at least that gets a better response normally. Absolutely, and I'm the same. I don't have any logos, anything coloured, no pictures, nothing. I just have a plain text email. Now, there are some other strategies here, Michelle. I'm going to share just two that I've used with my clients in the past. One of those is to actually take your list out of your autoresponder, out of your CRM, and put it into a custom audience in Facebook and run an ad against your list. Mm. Now, that ad will be some often to a lead magnet or a webinar or a training of some sort. Okay, now this is outside of your email because obviously – Emailing people who don't get your email in the first place isn't necessarily going to get that cut through. Mm -hmm. But that allows you to sort of build up that brand presence again and get them to opt back in to your stuff. Mm. Good. Okay, so it's a little bit more of an advanced strategy, but um, it can be quite effective. And the other one, I think, in terms just in terms of um, a, a cold list is putting some, some strategies in place in the first place right, when you set it up. And that, makes, that means making sure that people double opt-in to your emails. That makes means that um, a lot of systems will have what they call an unengaged marketable status. And that's usually a, a sort of a, a setting that says if you have not opened or clicked on an email or filled out a form or something um, in a certain period of time, you'll go from marketable to unengaged marketable. And, and many systems will allow a trigger that allows you to trigger some form of automation to reach out to that person and say, hey, do you still want to see my, you know, do you still want to get our stuff? Okay, and that's where you can use that nine-word email that actually creates a little bit more personalization with that nine-word email as well. Nice. Good work, Tim. Hopefully that's helpful, Michelle. Absolutely. I'm sure it will. Now, Sam, we did have one more question. I reckon we've got time for this today. Let's squeeze it in. Let's squeeze it in. And this one uh, is from Sharon at Raiden AI. Now, Sharon met with a, a consultant recently who then came back to her and said, um, I'm happy to make introductions for you um, for an introducer fee. Mm. And Sharon's question was really, should I pay an introducer fee for an introduction from, you know, from somebody? Now, this really comes down to that affiliate space, doesn't it, Sam? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was interesting when you when you threw this question at me, I was like, oh, well, this is a funny one because what comes up for me straight away is before you even talk about strategies, before you even t- t- talk about costs, which I know we're going to get to, does this fit into your values is absolutely the first question I would be asking. Yeah, absolutely, and it's not just not not the idea of paying for an you know paying for a referral fits in it, but does the person who who's proposing this or you're proposing it to is there a values alignment? Are they going to represent your company and your values in the way that you want to be represented? Hundred percent, because as business owners and we are our business, we spend a lot of time setting up our reputation and you know, doing business, showing up in a certain way. And for under no circumstances do you want someone else to bring that down or to tar something like that that you've worked a long time for. So the first thing you 100% have to ask is, do I feel in alignment with this person? Yeah. The thing is I think that in many cases the the company that's being introduced to you 
won't see a difference between that person as the, you know, I'm doing air quotes here as if you can see me, <laughs> um, the sales rep mm-hmm. and, and you closing the sale, right? They'll, they'll, they'll see you one and the same. And that's why that values alignment is really important to make sure that they're going to represent you the way you want to be represented. Absolutely. Okay. Obviously, the second question is around cost. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly in the US, the idea of affiliate commissions and introducer fees are a pretty common sort of thing. It's less so uh, in Australia, but they do exist in Australia. Um, It's got to to be sort of worthwhile for the introducer to kind of go and pursue opportunities for you. Um, I have seen one that was like seven bucks or something. I'm like, <laughs> not really worth it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but if it's if it, if you're offering an, uh, an introducer fee of, of you know a few hundred dollars to you know, potentially a you know thousand or two thousand dollars, it's it's actually enough that someone's going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay real attention to to this. But you've got to make sure that that commission or the introducer fee is really included in your cost of acquisition, mm. right? In that marketing spend that you would otherwise be using to get someone into your business. And if you haven't done that exercise to work out what it costs you to acquire a customer, you need to do that as soon as possible. 100%. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that there's a real, you know, clear black and white answer to that particular question because there's so many variables it's something that I would certainly be wary of but open to yeah yeah I think it's got it's got to fit you've got to be I'm doing this as a deliberate strategy I'm not kind of just off the cuff and I'll make it up and you can have 25 percent and off you go yeah Um, you've really got to make that that business decision around whether it's the right thing for your business, whether you're comfortable doing it and whether the person you're doing the introducer fee with um, will represent you in the way you want to be represented. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, a few questions there. Thank you so much for sending those questions in. And if you've got a question that you would like answered on the Thought Leaders Business Lab, go over into the Thought Leaders Business Lab community Facebook group and pop your question in there. We would love to answer your question live on the show and give you a shout out. It was good, good questions. Hey, Tim. I love these questions, Sam. It um, makes me think. Absolutely. I like it. It's lots of fun. Brilliant. If you've liked today's episode, please give us a like or a share. Head over to your favorite podcast app and give us a review and we would love to give you a shout out. Take a screenshot before you put that review through. Send it through to Tim and I and we can give you a shout out on the show. We would love to do that. Sam, great to see you again. Looking forward to next week. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us again, Tim. And we'll see you all soon. Thanks so much. Ciao. Thank you for joining us today. We truly respect your time, so we hope this was valuable to you. If you're a new listener, thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget to connect with me by heading over to samanthariley.global forward slash connect. And you can connect with Tim at winmorclients.com.au forward slash connect. Be sure to contact us and share any feedback, questions or topics you have too.